All right, welcome 2000 Oaks in this week nine edition of the Coach McVeigh Show with a Super Bowl champion, DeMarco Farr. I am JB Long, and here is the head coach of your Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVeigh. Boy, credit to the Packers. They came in off that bye with a great game plan. They gave you their best shot. Uh, your group took it and delivered some of the same. Yeah, it was impressive. You know, I thought Coach McCarthy did an excellent job having his team ready to go back and forth. You know, it was a high-caliber game. I think there was really a lot of great individual plays uh, on both sides of the ball, really, on you know special teams, and really for both teams. You know, it was a back-and-forth battle. thought they did a great job defensively, slowing us down on offense, and our defense kept us in that game, keeping it a one-possession game, and then the safety by Mark Barron ended up getting us on the board, got a little bit of a momentum shift uh, for us, but really, it was a, it was a high-caliber game. Hats off to the Packers they did an excellent job but uh, what you really feel good about our team is they just kind of stayed the course throughout the game offense defense special teams everybody contributed and, and that was the ultimate team win yesterday tell me that wasn't fun though Come on. Oh, it was fun. That's yeah. a battle. Yeah, yeah, I think there was, you know, there was a joy in the struggle, especially, you know, just from an offensive standpoint where it took us a while to get going, and I thought they did some nice things, you know, credit to them, but uh, I thought I put us in some bad spots, but just the back and forth, you know, the high caliber game where you're coming from behind, down 10, you take a lead, then you have to find a way to get it back again. You know, that, that was awesome, That's man. You love those games. About. Come Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it, it, uh, it aged me a little bit, but uh, it was certainly a great game, and, and guys years. did an awesome job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You often talk about uh, your players not blinking in certain situations yeah. i mean we had to double check that was the first time you've been down by double digits when you looked in their eyes did you see anything different compared to so. when you've been up multiple yeah scores? you know what really it, it's just that same approach one play at a time control what we can control and that's doing an excellent job not letting the circumstances affect our response uh and that's exactly what they did they demonstrated that and um you know it's a real credit to these guys i mean i just think the the extreme ownership the, the mental toughness that these guys are displaying right now with our players and uh, you know, how it just kind of really just goes throughout our whole team. And I think our coaches as well do a great job of, of demonstrating those things. And when everybody's working in the same direction and everybody kind of is on the same page, uh, you feel like you can get results even though you go through some adversity in its different forms and fashions yesterday. Football is an odd sport. It seems like from the outside maybe you're struggling some because you're not scoring as much or as fast. But then you look. 75 plays. I think that's the most you've run all year. Yeah, I think it is. You know, and we got a lot of snaps off. Um, you know, and, and really I thought our second half, uh, some of the things that our players did in the second half, being able to be more uh, productive on third downs to stay on the field, and then our defense's ability really throughout to get them off the grass. They were two for nine. Anytime you're going against Aaron Rodgers, yeah, that guy is unbelievable. And to be able to get them off the, the field, you know, to go two for nine on third down, uh, limit some of their opportunities that a special quarterback and a great offense like them, uh, you know, you, you feel good about that. But the offense did an excellent job in that second half. You know, we were able to sustain some drives. Uh, and then ultimately, Mr. Automatic Greg Zerline comes through if we have to settle for field goals and scoring position. Some of that end game strategy and execution as you went through the tape uh, early in the week, what stood out? What did you like? What would you maybe like to adjust moving forward? Yeah, you know, really, I just like the way that our guys handled it. You know, the one sequence that, you know, if you did it again, and I think we, we had the right approach, you know, was where you talk about, okay, we end up getting the first down run to Gurley. All right, there's still some time left. We were down one at the time. And then we end up going, you know, a, a run on first down. Then the second down where we ended up getting the holding call. So then that backs us up, all right, to second. Second and 20, and I want to say we were on the 23-yard line. And we're down one, and and really what we felt like, okay, it's second and 20. We'll keep the clock moving. And we didn't want to do anything, you know, it's credit to their defense. We didn't want to do anything to move back. You know, I think about when I put us out of field goal range against the De against Denver earlier in the season, when we were right about that same area, we ended up getting a sack, you know, that ended up leading us getting out of field goal range. We ended up missing that field goal. So 
was it a little bit more conservative approach with the way the game played out? Obviously, you know, the confidence in the defense with what they had done on the previous series with Aaron getting the sack. Um, you know, certainly you have so much respect for what Aaron Rodgers is capable of doing. But once it got to second and 20, we didn't want to have any chance of going backwards and be able to keep the clock moving and have really two consecutive runs where you still felt good about the runs. You're not conceding the downs, but just with some of the different things that we felt like could play out, ultimately having the confidence in Greg to be able to knock that through uh, with it being a, us down one, we felt like that was the right approach. Uh, and then it definitely you know, crossed my mind just with the way that our defense ended up getting that stop on the previous series and how quickly Aaron got in the backfield on the third down and six uh, to get the sack and get us the ball back. So a lot of things there. Um, I definitely don't ever want to be uh, attacking and going for a win, but we felt like based on the circumstances, the feel, the flow of the game, that that was the right approach for our team. And then, you know, to be able to close it out, I mean, what an unbelievable job by by Dominique Hatfield to really force Ty Montgomery to kind of move and that ball gets away. And then here comes Rameek Wilson to be able to make that play, get the forced fumble, get the recovery, and um, and then really to be able to close it out the way that Todd did. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But those, those things were great, man. And, and it's just a great demonstration. You talk about the team sport, man. It's awesome. It's what you love so much about it. It's rare when you actually get to see a guy. We, we always say this. He'll run through a wall for your coach. It's rare when you really get to see it with Rameek Wilson. Yeah, you know, and I think that's a, I think it's for his teammates too, you know, and you know this better than I do, DeMarco. There's something special about when you love the teammates that you're playing with. You guys play for each other. You're a connected team. Our players demonstrate that, man, and that's so powerful. And the way they believe in each other, the way they pick each other up, different phases, and really just, you know, something about that is just special to be able to step back and watch. And the, and the ownership that they display, the way they compete, snap in and snap out. And, you know, you talk about how many different guys contribute to being able to get that win you know all 46 in their own form or fashion that were up and active had a big contribution to that game you know I know Mannion's the only one that doesn't play but he's doing a lot of things that go unrecognized in terms of just the confidence at which he's able to communicate things to Jared throughout the game with Zach Taylor but it was awesome yesterday it was, it was a lot of fun it was a you know a, a, a tiring gutsy win but Man, you, you just love this team. I think we're all like-minded. I, I think some people were disappointed that Aaron Rodgers didn't get another shot in not the fourth me. quarter. Not me. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah was, I thought it was great. Great yeah. ending. Probably saved some years <laughs> off of our life. Uh, so then the punctuation uh, in Todd Gurley's words, forget fantasy football, forget Vegas. Uh, he did uh, what you asked him to do, which I understand kind of is called Rolex, Rolex. Within, within your facility. Time is more valuable than points. Can you give us a sense of like what that dates back to? I mean, that goes back to the summer, right? Yeah, you know, and really this is a great job it starts with our offensive coaches and really just you know bones has the situational masters meeting every single week where we talk about things that come up around the league but i think our coaches have done a great job of being able to implement different things where you kind of get an inventory of certain things that do come up if it does let's make sure we understand how we want to handle this appropriately and it's about the players being able to know it and our job to create that clarity for them and that's something that you know jed fish and shane waldron from our offensive coaching staff have done a great job compiling those invent that inventory of different things that we work really throughout the course of the off-season program into training camp and then we've got different situations that we try to hit whether it's things that have occurred around the league or just you know kind of as refreshers and that's something that you know we've hit and uh you know Todd did a great job of being able to understand it and then 
you know what that demonstrates in terms of the unselfish approach doing you know putting the team before yourself especially when you think about all the things that he's done from a production standpoint you know you jokingly say it but i'm sure there was a lot of fantasy owners that were upset um you know and uh those are the things that you know it's about winning a football game and, and todd understands that and and you know more than anything you can say as a coach his demonstration of being able to do that we always talk about we see better than we hear and hmm. when you see him do that that's awesome you don't strike me as a jewelry person am i wrong i mean do you have a rolex or two i don't know you know okay. I, I have a i had a nice watch that i got a few years ago a brightling that i'll still wear but that's about the only piece of jewelry that i wear and you know, it. Uh, I don't think it's actually worked in a while, but I still, it still looks good. You know, I wear it every now and then. So we'll see. I, I just think it uh, real quick. Um, I thought the third and six carry by Todd. Awesome. Uh, first down. I think you ran it yeah. on first down. Incomplete second down, and then you ran it on third and six, and he busted for ten. Yeah, I thought that was a huge point in the game. Yeah, he did a great job. You know, they had done some different things where they got it. You know, they they had some double A pressures, and you know, if you look at just the key on on, on that play specifically, where John John Sullivan does a great job getting removal from the the, uh, the A gap backer, which was number thirty five, and then you know, and then Austin Blythe's ability to get the backside cut off with Martinez in the backside A gap, and then watch Rob Havenstein and Gerald Everett to be able to get that crease where Todd presses it right on the hip of John Sullivan. And puts his foot in the ground, and that's where that thing hit uh, off of Blyce cut off, and then being able to get it secured with with Rob and, and, and Gerald on the backside ended up getting getting that thing out clean, and that was a huge play for us. All right, just getting started on this week nine edition of the Coach McVay Show. The Rams beat the Packers and improved to eight and zero on the season for only the second time in franchise history. Coming up in our next segment, what's the latest on Cooper Cup and his chances of playing in New Orleans? And we'll go through the sequence that led to the safety and eventually turned the tide in the Week Eight performance. That's when we continue from Thousand Oaks on the Coach McVay Show on ESPN LA seven ten. Uh, we continue with the head coach of the unbeaten Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay, also DeMarco Farr and J.B. Long. Uh, let's go through just the health status of the team and the uh, notable one to talk about, Cooper Cup. We saw him go through a pregame workout, and it seems like he's on track to return against the Saints coach. Yeah, I think there's a great chance, J.B. You know, he's done everything the right way in terms of attacking his rehab process, putting himself in a position to be ready to go. And, you know, to my understanding, if we really wanted to push it, he maybe could have played, you know, against the Packers. But obviously we want to be smart, and I think it's also a reflection the confidence we had in some of the guys stepping up demonstrated by Josh Reynolds big productive day yesterday against the you know the Packers to be able to come through with two touchdowns and a big catch as well on a third down but uh, getting Cooper back will be huge for us, and I think that's going to be the case. And you know, we came out of the game game relatively clean as far as just the health wise, and and there's some you know luck involved in that. But I also think it continues to uh, reflect what a uh, great job Reggie Scott and his staff have done, uh, Ted Rath and his staff, and I think that's really helped give us an edge as far as the you know just those guys' ability to implement plans that are sound, and then the players' ability to buy in, putting themselves in position, taking care of themselves the right way. They're instrumental in how we structure our practice. Weeks, I think our guys feel fresh, especially through eight physical football games up to this point, and uh, that's the most important thing. And, and you know, you continue to learn, but when you got guys like that, you know, it's it's been uh, it's been great for us. When Cooper comes back, you plug him right back in. I assume is it possible for you to use four receivers? You know what? I think you, you still want to be able to play with that tight end, DeMarco, but what you do feel good about is because we are, for the most part, regulated into you know that personnel grouping, 11 personnel that we've been in, in almost exclusively, what you do is you say Josh Reynolds has earned the opportunity to play to be able to spell those guys and keep them fresh. Because naturally, especially with just the amount of different routes and, and some of the longer developing plays, you know those guys need a blow. They're not like linemen that'll stay in there unless they get hurt every single snap. We've got those three receivers are in unbelievable shape, but I think what Josh has done is definitely earned 
earn the right to be able to play, and now that'll also enable us to stay fresher as a group, and and that's something that you know we'll figure out. But but he certainly continues to deserve to be a part of these game plans, and, and he we, he will be that. But Cooper will definitely you know come back in, and, and we're excited to get him back. Uh, we continue with Sean McVay, and we touched on the touchdown that Todd Gurley turned down in our opening segment. How about the one he scored? What I loved is that he gives credit to Tyler Higby, who kind of was the unsung hero of that play, wasn't he? Yeah, it was a great job. You know, just a little subtlety of, of you know, Todd running a shallow cross across the formation, and we got some other guys going to kind of, you know, give a little bit of traffic, if you will, and... Um, you know, Tyler Higby really on consecutive plays did an outstanding job of, of being able to kind of just run across and, and create, you know, a somewhat of a rub without doing anything that was a pick or that was illegal. Um, and, and, you know, Todd comes out of there, great protection up front, great catch by Todd, good delivery by Jared. And, uh, you, you end up seeing the Jets down the sidelines as he accelerated in from 30 out. And when you say consecutive plays, similar story on the two point conversion at the goal line. Yeah, it was really, you know, they zero blitzed us and, uh, you know, Todd ends up beating Tremont Williams, who's a really good, you know, cover corner. On that shallow, uh, we had some things coming the other way, and what happened was when we scattered Brandon um, Cooks from the backfield, ended up peeling their sixth rusher, so we were able to pick that thing up. Jared said in there, excellent job by the offensive line, and then, uh, again, a, a great assist by Tyler Higby. Anything new to their plan? Their plan they threw no, at They you? did a couple different things structurally with their coverage principles that were different than what we had seen. Uh, they, they moved around their front a little bit, and they played some field calls as far as just kind of how they were setting some of their zone structures, which is a little bit different, and I think it was probably as a result of some of the tempo that we play with where, you know, usually you always see teams nickel travel to the passing strength and stuff, and there was a couple times where they just set Tremont Williams to the field, but I thought they did a great job. You know, I got a lot of respect for Coach Petten, and, you know, you could feel they were fresh. I, I thought I thought their rookie corner, Alexander, was awesome too, man. You know, he hasn't – he's kind of gotten injured a little bit here and there, but you see why he's a first-round pick. You know, he's, he's, he's got great short space quickness, but, you know, our guys did an excellent job being able to win enough and, and make the plays that we had to and uh, I thought their defense they, they were good man they were tough they did a good job but but ultimately our guys did a great job being able to respond and adjust and adapt as the game continued to unfold a part of their game plan seemed to be uh, being effective defensively on first down you guys came in as the most productive team on first down in the league yeah and, and you see what happens in terms of what's available to you and how it plays out when you aren't that far ahead of schedule no doubt you? jb and really you know i thought i heard us with some play selections and you know you know there's an element too when they're doing some different things you got to settle in as a coach you know and, and kind of try to see okay what exactly are they doing what are the things that we can try to do to counter it based on what their game plan was it was a it was a great job by them but um you know the the players did an excellent job, you know, just staying the course. You, you, you said it earlier, JB, but not, not flinching, not blinking. They definitely did that. Um, and then, you know, they were able to finish up and, and sustain drives. You know, that second half, I thought they came out and did a great job. And really, there was a couple plays at the end of the first half. You know, the two challengeable plays to Brandon and then also to Todd. I thought, did he even just get us on the board? And then... Uh, what a bad play call by me on the two-point play. Oh, my goodness, that was bad. Uh, that put our players in a really bad spot. But, um, you know, then then we ended up getting that thing back as far as, you know, when we hit Todd after his touchdown in the second half. Bad, bad in what way? Yeah. I mean, it felt like oh, momentum. Was a, that was, was a your... loaded look, and you're just running it, and, you know, I might as well just go smash my head against the wall. <laughs> so that was uh, – I'm not afraid to admit it. That was very poor on my part. I thought you were almost down there the cold time out. I, I was, and I should have. Yeah. I was thinking, you know what? I, okay, trust your gut, Sean. Take the timeout, man. <laughs> right. That was not a good play. Put the guys in bad spots, and, um, you know, you just hate that. You, yeah. you know, that, that bothers you. It happened. Uh, you know, third down. What's yeah. your thought process on third downs? Because I, I have to remind myself to breathe on every third down, regardless. Third and one, third and ten. 
breathe, relax yep. through it. Absolutely. I think it's a great, you know, great piece of advice. Where were you yesterday on my third and one run that About I ran in the middle of the 15 field? 15 yards you know, I away from breathe you. right there. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's a back and forth. I think it's based on, you know, what are the things that that defense presents? What are our personnel matchups? And what are some of the concepts that we're trying to activate? Um, we did have some success going fast on them on third downs where you could see Josh Reynolds, Tyler Higby's first third down of the game. Um, so I think it's a balance, but our thoughts are based on the down and distance, based on the, the, you know, the distance, you know, the approach is altered. And then you might be talking about, are you in a four down? What's the flow of the game? Um, so, you know, if you set on a third and six, are you typically going to run it? No, but because of what the way the game had played out and what we thought, uh, would have a chance based on some of the, you know, pressure principles that they had had some success with that, you know, uh, just like we do, you know, if we have success with something, we're going to come back to it. And, and to coach Petten's credit, he did, but you know, our players did a great job there. Speaking of that pressure, it seemed like Jared Goff was under duress uh, more than he has been through the seven prior weeks this season. But then you look down, and when all is said and done, 19 of 35, almost 300 yards, three touchdowns, no turnovers. I mean, did you like what you saw from him as he acclimated to some of that pressure? Yeah, I did. You know, and I thought they did a nice job presenting a couple different looks, and then they had some situations where, you know, the one thing I want to remind our players about, too, is, you know, we, we, we have a high expectation, a high standard in terms of our expectation to move the football and score points. You know, every series, that's what, that's what you know, we believe, and that's what our players believe. But, you know, they have a say, too, and, uh, and they've got some really good players. They did a great job on, uh, you know, with some individual efforts that ended up leading to them making some plays but our guys never let that affect them they understand you got to play four quarters they settled in and and I thought Jared uh, just continues to show I have so much confidence in him because no matter what the flow of the game is or how things have played out he just keeps a, 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 a poise about himself that can't help but rub off on his teammates and man did he make some tight window throws you know being able to see spots and and be able to hit those spots and timing and rhythm giving the guys a chance to create after and I thought our guys did a good job separating and and ultimately it always starts with the protection up front can you help him like with the game between the game it seems that's where Rodgers lives you know outside of the play that's called how he buys time and then makes things happen it seems like Jared is getting there yeah when he's moving the football when there's nothing there I can scramble and at least move the football how can you help him with the play between the play. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think our job as coaches, you know, the, the, it's an it's an imperfect world. And when things do break down, that's where you have such an appreciation that it's a player's game. And uh, certain things, you know, you always want to be able to utilize that experience as a way of almost getting an inventory so that when it comes up, how would I want to handle this? But I think those off-schedule plays are something where just guys making plays, that's special. You try to have certain, uh, you know, approach in terms of what's our philosophy with regards to how we want guys to disperse the field with relationship to the quarterback. But I think that's the things that guys just feel you know and, and that's where the instincts the awareness come into play and he'll only continue to get better as he accumulates that experience what we can help him with as coaches is all right when it is in the rhythm and timing of the player what are the tools within the framework of the protection or route combination that we can activate to try to stay in rhythm because that's our job and then when things go off schedule that's where you have so much of an appreciation for uh, you know what a great play that was and one of those was when he scrambles off schedule and hits Brandon down the left sideline Part of his toolbox, it seems year to year, I have noticed at least. Tell me if it's uh, if it's a real area of growth. Is the way he uses kind of his posture, his shoulders, and his eyes to manipulate coverage so that he can fit into those tight windows. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, there's been a hands there's been a handful of examples specific to the drop back game, JB, where he does understand how you can manipulate zoning defenders with a little tilt or an eye or, you know, de- depending upon what that specific approach is from a defensive perspective. And then I think he's feeling those windows open up based on what coverage concept am I getting? Uh that understanding and, and I think that ability to play fast, play certain uh and be decisive with the football has really shown up. And that's one of the things that I think has enabled him to 
have a lot of success. He's so decisive, you know, and he's been extremely accurate, but he's throwing on time. You look at the touchdown pass that he throws to Josh Reynolds, you know, on the in-breaking route. It's a condensed type coverage, but, you know, we end up snapping it. It's a two-safety look. He tempos his drop on a three-step drop from the gun, but to be able to throw it without a hitch... Watch, when his back foot hits, that ball is ripped right in there, and he trusts that Josh is going to get in that spot about, you know, like right around, he catches about 13 yards in the split in between the hash and the numbers, and that enables Josh to be able to catch it and then score as opposed to you take one hitch, that might be a catch decapitation or a catch blow up where it's incomplete, but the timing, the rhythm, the ability to understand and have a feel for the play, that's, that stuff's awesome, man. All right, coming up next on the Coach McVay Show, it's the Aaron Donald portion of our program. <laughs> uh, plus, we need to like revisit what Johnny Hecker did, throwing and punting the football. That's when we continue uh, from Thousand Oaks on ESPN LA 710. All right, we continue with DeMarco Farr and Sean McVay. I'm J.B. Long. This is the Coach McVay Show. The Rams getting set for another trip to New Orleans. They were there in the final week of the preseason as well. All right, let's talk about kind of the sequence that shifted momentum against the Green Bay Packers uh, and Johnny Hecker dropping a couple of punts inside the five, one down by Sam Shields inside the one that led to a safety for the second week in a row. Coach. Yeah, un- unbelievable. You know, it, you know, a sky kick by Johnny he puts it up in the air perfectly, drops it right down in there, and then Sam having the juice to be able to get down there, track it, get it down inside the one. You know, and then you just look at it, what a job by the defense. You know, being able to, you know, you see Mark Barron where, you know, they're, they're in a tight end tackle combination on a downhill direct run that tackle steps out a little bit and that enables mark to be able to see it uh be able to trigger right in that gap and make an unbelievable play i thought sue got great removal on the on the center as well that kind of enabled that thing to open up um and then you see everybody get to the football it it was it was awesome man to be able to see that safety i mean really swung momentum back in your favor i thought so you know really it, it got us you know and then you get us a shorter field and we were able to score on that drive and uh, you know, ends up cutting it to a two-point game, and in which case they really felt like they had total command because we didn't do anything offensively up to that point. You know, as a result of them making plays, but then I also, you know, like I was saying, just some bad spots I put us in. Uh, the NFL as a league and football as a sport does not have a reputation of being sentimental, yeah. and yet you, I think, and your coaching staff have a way of finding moments uh, like Sam Shields going against his Green Bay Packers to get him involved in some pretty special ways. Man, it, it, but you know, when you read, I'm, I'm not sure if you guys read that. Play players tribune article that he wrote but you know it's one of those things where you know art what makes this team special jb is is the fact that they enjoy each other you know and you and that's something that you can just feel you can just feel we they're a connected team because the players enjoy it we try to create an atmosphere where they always like coming in here but we're serious about our football and we're going to do everything we can to try to improve on a week-to-week basis but it's about people this is a people business at the end of the day and we care about these guys and you know when you read that and then you kind of just get to know sam what a great guy he is anyways you can't help but root for him, you know, and then just, you know, where you think about, you know, cause I've talked to him about the journey, but then I think just what a, what a cool thing to be that secure in yourself to be vulnerable with some of the things that you've had to go through to get back to this point. You can't help but root for a guy like that, you know, and to be able to come back and play after some of the things he went through with the concussions that he's experienced, uh, to listen to this story of how it all the way came back, you know, full circle. And then just, you know, he talked about, I love football. You know, people are like, why would you come back? You just love it. You love the camaraderie about it. You love the competes, all that stuff. We got a lot of guys that share that love for football, but most importantly, they, they respect, they appreciate and they enjoy each other. And, you know, and shoot, man, Sam's making plays. You know, he, he, that, that wasn't a favor, I can assure you, because we were playing the Packers. That was because he's earned the right to be a big part of what we're trying to get done week to week basis. But, 
it was like, ooh, this would be nice to be able to get this guy this one against the Packers, and, and he certainly did a great job delivering in a crunch time situation. He, you know, he was excellent for us on defense, had some great coverage, and um, you know, and then made a big impact on special teams. That was huge. Yeah, do you get tired of talking about Aaron Donald? Because no. I don't think we do. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. The way he's playing, the impact that he has on the game, the uh, the urgency. Go back and watch his first sack. The demonstration that he has in terms of not falling on Rodgers, it is unbelievable. You talk about a conscientious guy that plays hard every single snap and is doing an outstanding job. No, I do not get tired of it. He's a stud, man. He did a great job, man. See, this is what I tell people. It is possible not to bury quarterbacks. You don't have to do it every single time. Yes. Yeah. You people know, think, it, oh, you can't, you can't stop yourself. Yes, you can. Yeah, he, he's, he's a rare guy. You know, he's pretty special. But I just think, you know, the, the attention to detail, the, the, the competes, the toughs, the way that he works and how it shows up week in and week out, it's been outstanding. No, tough. Can he get better? Yeah. Can Aaron get better from oh, here? Yeah. yeah, he can get better. By continuing to work, when you have that kind of approach week in and week out, as productive as he is playing, and there's always things that you can improve on. And the best part about Aaron, best part about our players, is they know that. And you know, we never stay the same. We always try to get better. We focus on the little things. And when you have your, you know, your the the best players, you know, you know what makes them extraordinary is they do the ordinary things with the extraordinary consistency, commitment, and focus. And that's what you see from Aaron on a week to week basis. And I think that's why you see his production. Uh, um, you know, be what it is right now. Ten sacks are the most through eight games by a defensive tackle since the year 2000 when Leroy Glover and Warren Sapp uh, both did it. Uh, what's the what's the kind of story behind the battle between Marcus Peters and Devontae Adams in, in that Week 8 contest? Like what did we not see in real time that might have occurred on film? You know, I just think, you know, two great players going at it. Um, you know, I, I think Devontae Adams is one of the more underrated receivers in this league, you know, and, and I thought, uh, I thought he did a great job. I thought Marcus had a handful of great competitive snaps. And, you know, I think when you got two, you know, A plus type players going at it back and forth, there's going to be one, some that they get and the, you know, some that we get. But I think Marcus's ability to keep competing is what you love. You, you see that third down and five wearing a managed coverage principle, how excited he is. Look how excited to keep Tlaib was for him on the sideline, yeah. waving his towel. That motion man that, that that rubs off on guys and as long as we do it within the framework of you know what's best for the team which is exactly what he was doing he was just getting excited and passionate that that kind of stuff uh excites you but i also think Devonte adams you know the way he goes up and attacks the football the way he works edges uh obviously the guy that's delivering the ball to him you know i think Devonte adams is one of the players in this league that doesn't get enough credit for what a quality football player he is and i think you just saw two great players going at it and uh you know marcus made some outstanding plays and Devonte had a couple good ones himself you know who gets overlooked sometimes roby coleman Another guy that makes plays. How about that, man? Is he, how awesome was the play on the screen that he makes where you talk about the, the concept recognition and then ability to trigger and activate, but watch when he sees it. He's as a curl flat player in a three deep structure. His ability to open his stride up where it's that long stride, short stride, and then how he breaks down shuffle and then he's able to shoot and be able to make that contact to finish that tackle. Those aren't plays that guys make with that, you know, what looks so easy. Uh, but his just ability to consistently deliver, he's a tough football player, man. You know, that guy is, he's been Mr. Consistency and, you know, you love him, man. 
All right, we've got some uh, great questions in audibles coming up next, including are there any other wrestling legends that Sean McVay likes to imitate besides Ric Flair? We'll get to that <laughs> on the other side as we continue. Uh, the Coach McVay Show looking ahead to a trip to New Orleans on ESPN LA 710. Uh, we're excited for this edition of audibles. As always, a great list of questions uh, from social media posed directly to the head coach of the Rams, Sean McVay, DeMarco Farr, and JB Long with you as well here on ESPN LA 710. Uh, let's start with Alfredo from Twitter. Uh, is there a play from Sunday, a win over the Packers, that personifies this team as a whole in your memory, Sean McVay? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think you can't help but notice, uh, you know, the one that Rameek Wilson ends up forcing the fumble. You know, you talk about, you know, everybody has a big, important role, and you never know when your opportunity is going to be to deliver in crunch time. But I think our team in a lot of different areas has demonstrated, whether it's offense, defense, special teams, we've had a lot of guys make impact-type plays where Dom Hatfield does a great job. You know, Bones puts a subtlety on a 2-3 twist on the backside that ends up allowing Rameek to come free with he and Nick Williams. Um and then, you know, you just see Dom Hatfield forces that ball to come away from Ty Montgomery by being able to, you know, try to make that tackle by beating the blocker. And then Ramit comes in at the perfect time, delivers a, a great tackle that forces the ball out. He recovers it and uh, capitalizing on the moment. I think that play definitely, definitely embodies it. Real quick, if Zerline doesn't want you to return, you, you won't get a shot. He'll just bang it out of the back. Was his intent to force them to bring it out? Let's just say yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Strategy. Okay, yes. never mind. <laughs> Follow up. Like, kind of what you're leading to there. Don Benson yeah. on Facebook. want to get his question in here. Were you surprised the Packers did elect to return that last kickoff? What would you have done in that situation if roles had been reversed? Yeah, you know what? I, I think that'd be, you know, specific to, to what we felt like was best. And, you know... Uh, I think it's always the one thing that I think is easy to do is always question in hindsight based on the result. And, um, you know, I'm not sure what, what their approach was, um, but I just feel fortunate that our guys made a play in crunch time right there. And those are things that, you know, we'll try to continue to utilize. And, and we always want to try to make decisions that, um, you know, give us the best ability to try to go win a football game and accomplish our goal. And, and, you know, I think our kick return unit, you know, with Blake Countess has done a good job being able to bring it out and get us some favorable field position, but it's all predicated on the situation what do we need are we playing for a touchdown a field goal how much time's left so it's hard to say unless we were in that specific you know role but you know guys did a great job being able to make that play and and get the ball back to our offense alex from twitter with our next question Uh, do these types of games referring to the nail biter against the packers tell you more about your team than blowouts do um, you know, I, I think each week presents an, a new opportunity for us to learn about ourselves. But I think anytime you go through adversity, you learn a lot more about yourself uh, otherwise and a lot more about the team. And I think in the the various ways we experience certain different, you know, different forms of adversity uh, continues to reveal this team's character, their mental toughness. And I certainly think that that's always, you know, it's easy to, to when things are going so well, you know, you, you don't ever really get truly tested. Yesterday's game, we were testing a variety of ways. And I think the players answered the bell in a resounding uh, way by being able to just stay together and, um, and, and demonstrating that mental toughness that you've heard me say over and over today, but you can't say enough about it. So to answer your question, absolutely, you can learn a lot more. I like living and dying play, play to play. Because when you make that play, it's just kaboom. I know. Yeah. It's huge. awesome. You know, and then I think that's one thing, too, DeMarco, that you really, you know, and Wade said this before, and I thought it was a great point that Wade made, is that our team, you know, we've had some close games. We've had different ways to win. We've had a couple where we're fortunate enough to, you know, kind of be have a comfortable lead at the end. But, you know, our team plays its best in those pressure moments and find way, has found ways to win games through the first half of the season. And I think, you know, we talk about competitive greatness all the time, you know, being at your best 
best when your best is required. And I think in a lot of different instances, guys have demonstrated that competitive greatness, you know, that we want to be able to see. And it's been um, it's been fun. All right, our next question as we can continue with this Audible's uh, segment. Drew from Twitter, does playing an elite quarterback like Rodgers last week at all help when preparing for another one in Drew Brees this week? Yeah, I mean, I think any time that you go against great players, you know, it can't help but hopefully use it as a great example to be able to learn from and, and take the experiences, you know, as you move forward. But, um, you know, it's a new week. It's a different system. You know, Drew, Drew and, and Aaron are both first ballot Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Um, but I think, you know, there's going to be some different challenges. But, yeah, anytime you go against great quarterbacks, it definitely does help you. But it's going to be an outstanding challenge against, uh, you know, the Saints who are who are rolling right now. And, and uh, we got to get ready to go and have a great week. Speaking of the Saints, Blue Blood Rams still hung up on week four of the preseason. And I understand where he's coming from. Uh, remember when Sean Payton deployed an onside kick with a lead through a challenge flag? Do you remember those moments? And what are your thoughts about them a few months later? Yeah, I remember them. You know, we were, we remember that fourth preseason game, and uh, you know we got to do a great job getting ready for them. And we're certainly gonna you know do the best that we can to you know put together a game plan in all three phases that that hopefully helps put our players in great spots. And, and we're excited about the challenge. If you were to pick an NFL coach pa- or, or player, past or present, Dylan asked to dress up as for Halloween, who would it be? Is Sean Payton in the running there, or are we, <clears throat> we're going more historical for a Halloween costume? Oh man, Bill good, Walsh. Good question. Yeah, Bill Walsh. I'll take that one. Yeah, we'll do that. That'd, that'd be good. Uh, or how, since people say it, I could be Coach Gruden. There you go. That'd wow, be, that that would make sense. Yeah. All right, Bob and Corona next from Twitter. Are there other wrestling legends? Don't put that one out there. That he imitates besides Ric Flair. We won't tweet it out. Don't worry. Bob and Corona. Other wrestling legends that you might draw from. You know Ric what? Flair, when, the guy. Ric Flair. You know, I, 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 the the woo thing is fun, and and we and I think our players like that. I've um. When I was a little kid growing up, my cousin Johnny has always liked, uh, you know, wrestling, and he kind of got me into it. You know, when I was younger, I used to really follow that. I used to like the Heartbreak Kid, man, oh, Shawn yeah. Michaels, you know, the, the, imitate the kick. Uh, you know, Bret Hart was it was a real popular one, but, you know, Ric Flair, he's, he's still doing his thing, man. He used to do sweet chin you know, music. You know, so how about yeah. this for you, uh, chin music. I wasn't flexible enough to get my leg <laughs> as high as him, but... Uh, you know, Todd actually knows Ric Flair. You know, be, they've got some mutual connections. And last year, when we were doing that in honor of of, of Rick and, and and those kind of different things, he sent Todd a video that Todd's ended up showing. You know, hey, you know, hey, appreciate the love. You know, wishing you guys and your team the you know the best. And you know, he's a Falcons fan, being being in the Atlanta area, but. Um, it was pretty cool, you know, but uh, Ric Flair, man, the, the woo hasn't come out as much this year, but when it does, man, it's been an exhausting one. That's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, on a different note, I'm not sure it's any more serious of a question. I'll let you shoot it down. Uh, Suzanne from Twitter just happened to notice uh, that you're the odds-on favorite to be the next coach of the Cleveland Browns. You've already answered this for the media. Yeah. Can you answer it for us as Yeah, well? I mean, I, I couldn't be happier, you know, to be here. You know, and unless Mr. Cronky decides he wants to make a change, uh, you know, I feel so fortunate and blessed to be here with these players players this these coaches this organization and you talk about working for a great owner uh and and stan Kroenke that is committed to doing everything you know i just love that guy love his family and and you know uh, i'm i'm certainly very happy here in la and uh, unless that's a change they want to make, I, I, I'm hopeful to be able to stay here. I don't see that coming at 8-0. and As we turn our attention to the second half of the season, a bry guy with our final question from Twitter. Where specifically would you like to see your Rams improve most for the second half of 2018? Yeah, you know, I think really, you know, it, 
we always emphasize a couple things with our football philosophy, but you can never be good enough with the turnovers and the takeaways. You know, defense taking it away, offensively taking care of the football. Um, obviously, it's a game of points. You know, we've got to do a great job scoring points offensively, preventing people from scoring on defense, and then the situations. You know, our red zone, our third down, we can always continue to improve. And then we talk about explosives, the big plays, preventing them on defense, being able to create them offensively. Uh, and then the, the, the effort is the last part that we always want to embody, the burst speed and the finish. Those are things that, um, you know, we can control with our mindset and our mentality. And as long as we're demonstrating that, which our players have done, uh, we feel like good things will happen. But, but situationally, uh, taking care of the football, you know, the points and, and then the big plays are, are the big things. But each, each, you know, game presents a new challenge and things that we can kind of learn from and, and use as a way of emphasizing things moving forward. Our producer, uh, Julio, gave me clearance for one more here in Audibles to wrap things up. Eddie Barrios from Facebook. Oh, when a fake punt is called for the Rams, does Bones Fossil have uh, control of that part? Is it a joint decision with you, Bones, and Johnny Hecker? How does that go yeah, down? Yeah, it's a joint decision. That was something, you know, to Bones' credit, thought it looked great this week. Uh, we, he and I talked about that actually, you know, a week ago on Monday. And, um, you know, it, it was great execution. It's something that we anticipated doing. And, um, you know, when the time is right, have full trust and confidence and, and confidence in Bones to say, hey, we feel like this is the time that we'd want to be able to do it. And, you know, if he's that confident about something, I can't think of a time that we've ever not been on the same page. And, um, you know, great job by those guys making it happen. Did a bit of research. Ten career completions now for Johnny Hecker. Second most by a punter. I guess Tom Tupa was technically a punter, but also played some quarterback. So he had 259 com- career completions. So tell Tom Johnny. Tupa. He's got a quarterback at Ohio State, right? He's, he's got some work cut out for him to get from 10 to 10. 259. There you go. <laughs> Thanks uh, to all of you for your questions on social media for a segment we call Audibles. Now we turn our attention to a trip to New Orleans and the Saints coming up in week nine. The final segment of the Coach McVeigh show after this on ESPN LA 710. All right, next up on the schedule for the Los Angeles Rams, a trip to New Orleans to face the second hottest team, let's call them, in the NFL, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, supremacy in the NFC at stake. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay, for one more segment with us. In terms of non-division opponents, about the, the Saints are about as familiar as you get in terms of having seen them last season at your place and then again in the preseason, I guess. Yeah, they're, they're a great team, and, and I think Sean Payton does an excellent job. They've got great players. They've got great systems in all three phases, and you know you can see why they've won six in a row. They're, they're tough. They've had two great road wins when you just look at the last couple weeks going to Baltimore, beating Baltimore, and then being able to win against Minnesota at their place on the Sunday night game. Um, so really, it's going to be a great challenge. They play really well at home. You know, we know that it's going to be a, a great atmosphere and environment. You know, the Superdome always presents, uh, you know, outstanding challenges. They've notoriously played extremely well there, especially under Coach Payton and when Breeze has been their quarterback. And um, it's something that it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun week to get ready for. And uh, you know, our guys will be excited to get going on Wednesday. Preparing for a guy like Kamara, tough to do. Yeah, guy can attack you from anywhere. He can. He's a, he's a, he's a special player. You know, his contact balance is unbelievable. Uh, he's got great receiving ability. He can run legitimate routes like a receiver. They can put him all over the place. He's got perimeter speed. Um, you know, really couldn't have been more impressed with what he did as a rookie and the impact that he made for them. You know, and then he's demonstrated that he can be an every down back as well. You know, especially when when uh, when you look at Ingram was absent for the first few games. Now getting him back, Sean does a great job of being able to use those two in a complimentary 
Terry role. And I'll tell you what, man, seeing this quarterback, you know, Breeze is awesome, breaking the record, and then they've got their other guy going where he ends up, you know, you know, number seven is is presenting a lot of different things where, um, you know, he can he can do some things where he's playing a fullback and H back. He's lining up at quarterback. He throws the ball down the field to Michael Thomas last night, and uh, you know, they're 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 a tough team to prepare for. Uh, they won handily despite uh, the fewest explosive uh, passing plays of Breeze's tenure with the Saints. Is that emblematic of where the Saints are as being a complete team, like you described, that he doesn't have to go for record-setting numbers for them to win in a tough road environment? Yeah, and I think the thing is, is they play to win games. And that's where I think the numbers can be misleading because they got a lead, they got a turnover that ended up leading where they ended up taking an interception back to the house for a touchdown. They play games to win. They play smart, and I think Coach Payton calls a game accordingly. And if the, if the game dictates having to go down the field, they certainly can make you pay that way. But, um, you know, they play good complementary football. They play sound. They can control the clock on you, or they can create the explosives. So they can beat you in a variety of ways it's why you see them winning six in a row and uh what was a back and forth battle the only game they lost against the bucks who you know are, are a pretty tough team so it's going to be uh it's going to be a challenge but i think just you know the important thing is they know how to win football games and, and they can do it in a variety of ways which makes them really difficult players are different but it seems like you and coach payton kind of vibe on how you attack defenses and your thought process to winning football games yeah you know i got a lot of respect for coach payton I, you know I, he's a guy that i've studied he's been doing it for a lot longer than i have and um, you know, I think he's one of the better play callers in the, the offenses that he's been a part of. And then when you just learn about whether it's talking to Billy Johnson or Aaron Cromer, how much respect they have for him. And, you know, you respect your fan of the coaching profession and what he's done for such a long time is something that you can't help but respect and admire. And, and I definitely, you know, I, I study, you know, just the way that he does it. And, and I think he's, you know, one of the best. Looking back on last year's win over the Saints at the Coliseum 26-20, if memory serves, they're a bit banged up in their secondary, so they may look different this Sunday than they did a year ago. Yeah, they, you know, we, we had them where their, their two starting corners were out, and I thought just even when we were getting ready, and we're kind of not deep into the preparation yet as we kind of wrapped up the Green Bay game and make sure that we look at ourselves and then figure out, all right, what do we want to, how do we want to start compartmentalizing our game plan? But I remember watching Lattimore on tape, you know, in his rookie year, thinking he was one of the best corners we played all last year. Now, fortunately, he didn't play against mm-hmm. us, but just evaluating him, uh, you were really impressed, and, you know, it seems like he's putting together another really good season following up with the defensive player of the year you know defensive rookie of the year award that 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 was well deserved last year so um it's going to be a great challenge i think williams at safety too did, did an excellent job as a rookie safety coming out of utah you know great range good ball skills uh and it seems like he's having another good year as well i remember sitting here last year talking about you know after the game after the saints game you said i will never underestimate or forget about cam jordan ever oh, again man you're right yeah. man he is What's so impressive about him is typically the defensive linemen, you know, usually are, you know, rotating in and out. He plays almost every single snap and the production that he has, both in the run as a pass rusher, his strength, uh, ability to utilize his hands and different things like that. You, you talk about feeling defensive players. You felt him and seeing him play live and in person gave you a whole lot more appreciation than, you know, and I, we respected him going into the game, but you know, it was something that Billy Johnson and Aaron Cromer had both said, this guy is a baller. I'm telling you. And then I said, man, you guys were right. <laughs> yeah, he's something else, man. So, and you know, I, I see him. You know, I say he's he's incredible, man. And and just his stamina to be able to play almost every snap. Uh, I'm sure it's the same this year. I haven't had a chance to really dive into mm-hmm. it, but uh, that to me is what separates him: is that he's playing almost every snap with that type of elite effort and production. 
because of the experience and cohesiveness on offense now and all the venues this group has played in together, be it Seattle or Denver, I mean, the noise is always going to be a factor, and it's something you have to contend with. But are they already prepared for that in a sense of you know how you're going to address it and go about it? Yeah, absolutely. And we, we got unfortunately got a couple reps of it yesterday, man. We had to use our silent count on a third down. <laughs> the Packers fans were going crazy, man. That was unbelievable. It was, you know, it's a real, it's impressive Credit to the Packers, man, to be able to have that many fans there. But, you know, the Coliseum was jumping. I thought it was two great atmospheres that we've had. Going back to the Minnesota game and the Packers, fans showing up in a big way. But but to answer your question about handling the noise and things like that, I think our players have done a very nice job of that. That's going to be a huge point of emphasis because we'll definitely have to be on our silent communication uh, with the visual, uh, not being able to utilize that verbal, and and that's going to be a great challenge. Uh, you talk about embracing the expectations. How about embracing the stakes? I mean, uh, each week is its own entity, but this one carries implications beyond just week nine. Yeah, you know what, though? And the, and the one thing that I think kind of naturally takes care of itself, if that's something that does come up down the road, it does. But, you know, for us, you know, it's not really about going 9-0 and or anything like that. It's about doing a great job of trying to go 1-0 and this week and, and playing a great team. And uh, our players' ability to just control what they can control, be in the moment, I think has served us well. And i got to be honest, you know, it kind of helps your mindset as a coach coach because you do have to plan in terms of just the schedule as far as you know some of the things that you do when you're going to a Monday night game long term but so many things change on a week-to-week basis uh, and you just never know and I know I've been a guilt been guilty of this myself when you kind of start to just try to okay we could do this there you know it never works out as you seemingly think it will and and what I think has served this team well up to this point and, and hopefully us as a coaching staff as well is let's do the best job that we can uh, trying to put our players and our team in a position to go win in a tough road atmosphere against a great football team. Can't wait to make the trip to the Big Easy with you. Thanks you, Sean McVay, and thank you, DeMarco, for being here. Uh, The Week 9 edition of the Coach McVay Show on ESPN LA 710.